This is the 63rd episode. My name is Abhishek and we have with us Akhilesh Mattu after a long time. We are back with Busy Nation. Hi Akhi, how are you doing? I am doing absolutely fantastic. Yes, and I hope we keep doing fantastic in terms of the frequency of releases. Uh, and we hope to all our listeners, we promise you. And this time we come with you with a very sad news continuing from our previous episode where we brought you news from Europe where Akhilesh had roamed about and he gave us the on-ground crisis situation. And it so happens that the crisis has not ended. It just got a little more worse. Latest figures from the officials in Brussels, which were released on November 15th, they show that 17 nations, that is all the countries of the Eurozone, have slid into a double-dip recession. In the third quarter, the output that is all the goods and services that are produced in the whole of Europe, the output fell by 0.1%. And this happened for the second time. The previous quarter, the output had fallen by 0.2%. So when you have two consecutive quarters of negative growth, economists say that a country is in recession. So you mean to say negative growth is that if I grow 0.2% this year, Next year, I grow 0.1%. It's negative growth. No, in fact, quite the contrary. If you fall by that much, if you produced 100 rupees worth of goods in this quarter, and in the next one, you do 100 minus 0.1% of 100. So you have actually... 99.99. That's right. You haven't Uh. grown. You have slid. And if that happens in two consecutive quarters, you are said to be in a recessionary phase. And the, and the irony is that you don't know while you are in a recession because the numbers come way after the quarter is done. Okay. In economics, there is a fundamental of marginal utility that as you go on increasing the output, go on increasing the output, the utility, the utility that you derive from production or eating or consumption, whatsoever, it declines over a period of time. So recession has to has to come. It cannot be stopped at all. The funda of uh, diminishing marginal utility is more you have of a thing, the less you want to have more of it, which is, this is fine. But the problem is here, people are not willing to spend. So why did this all happen? You, you must have heard of these phrases like austerity measures and all of that, right? So when you have too much austerity, when the government is saying don't spend, it's pulling you with high taxes. The consumption is not happening enough for the concept of diminishing marginal utility to even kick in. So for example, what happened in Italy Let's take the example there. The government got its people to start saving. And the result was what? It it helps the government to bridge the deficit. The problem is now the banks have stopped lending because they don't know if consumers will have the money to give them back. Companies are burdened with what we hear of bureaucracy in India. There is bureaucracy out there as well. So you, you cannot lay off people in lean times. That means you've got to pay salaries. But again, at the same time, your unemployment is at a all-time high, which is 11.6%. Greece and Spain, it is up to 25%. So so the banks don't lend you. That's why you don't expand. You don't expand means you're not producing enough, but you are saddled with people because you can't lay them off very easily. But at the same time, the unemployment is at an all-time high. So all this has led to another uh, recession. I have a few questions regarding all these events that you're trying to connect. Question number one, don't you think 
that worldwide there is a limit to the amount of goods and services that can be produced by humanity and more so ever not only production point of view consumed how much can a person consume after all in earlier days when economies have been growing in the entire 20th century people were still finding new markets developing new markets asia africa south america australia new zealand there were so many continents which were so unreachable unfathomable to travel at such frequency now everything is possible i can tell you that i have been to netherlands i have been to italy and i have been to austria austria is like kashmir the gentleman who took me around salzburg said that 2 million people visit austria every year now suppose tomorrow i decide that i don't want to visit austria what's going to happen to austria because austria per se is not producing anything or no goods to eat no food production their whole economy is dependent on tourism italy is dependent on tourism spain is dependent on tourism netherlands is dependent on tourism suppose people stop traveling tomorrow what are they going to do they are just too complacent i think they know that europe is a hot destination for people to visit and it deserves that tag of hot destination because one it is phenomenally beautiful no doubt about that they have tremendous architecture and history to show every human being who has some love for life would love to visit europe once in his life at least but i think it is putting your eggs in one basket a tad too much and they have to think about it to draw an analogy this a similar problem was faced by dubai back in the days when most of its or almost all of its uh, income would come by selling oil all across the world crude petroleum and then they started veering towards wooing the consumers on tourism as well and then they started building all those skyscrapers and that's how they diversified another country that faces a similar problem is greece you mentioned about the tourist attractions it's flush with many of them there was a time when they had to there was a demand of mortgaging a few of their monuments in exchange of bailing them out which didn't happen but again again greece the economy shrank by almost 8% in the third quarter and one of the reasons is that many of the people living in greece they have money stashed in hsbc accounts in in the tax haven of uh, jersey and the prime minister has asked hsbc to furnish all those names and then there is there are other countries portugal spain italy cyprus they too have gone back in you mentioned austria 0.1% decline in output we'll have to check how many tourists visited that place in the last few months finland is down again and the current situation as it stands is eurozone's combined debts are equal to 93% of the gdp and it is forecasted to rise up to 94.5% the next year as in for every 100 rupees or 100 euros of goods that are produced in the whole of the eurozone 95% of that is from borrowed money and 2009 it was just 80% the economists they are forecasting that to recover back to the 2008 level will take time until 2015 on the same count in the united states you have something they call as the fiscal cliff a phrase that they've come up with which is basically when george w bush was the president he had signed a few papers and uh, it it said that uh, x years later from a particular date which happens to be the 1st of january 2013 less than 2 months to go certain taxes will kick in 700 billion of tax increase that roughly amounts to 5% gdp of, of the whole gdp so in other words they are fearing that they could go the euro way if this particular deadline is not stretched a little ahead they are not sure if america can handle it that's what's happening in the us as well 
And while all of this is happening, you might feel that everybody is sad or everyone's going through a troubled time. These are times when people who have the money are also splurging. Christie's, which is the auction house in the US, it sells uh, expensive paintings. A few days back when US stocks lost more than $240 billion, Christie's, it held its largest ever post-war contemporary sale, where it sold $412 million worth of paintings. And what kind of paintings? So there is there is one which has Marlon Brando on a motorcycle wearing a leather jacket. It went for $23.7 million. So the people who have the money, they spend whether or not there is recession. So moving ahead from one bad news to another one, a few days back, British Petroleum was ordered to pay a whole lot of money, which comes to about five odd billion dollars for having for having spilled 4.9 million barrels of crude oil back in 2010. Yeah, and I've heard that uh, this is highest penalty done to any U.S. company. Is it uh, is it so? Yes, uh, 4.5 billion is the amount and they have to pay this over five years. And it caused the death of 11 employees, you know, the explosion in the oil rig called Deepwater Horizon. It's already cost BP $14 billion because they've had to employ infrastructure to clean up the waters on the shoreline of the Gulf of Mexico where all of this has happened. And ironically enough, in spite of having been slapped with the largest fine, the stock prices went up because the stock market was expecting a bigger fine. See, I'm, I do not understand that that what happens to stocks i have tried to understand it i have failed mm-hmm. and i failed miserably my brains are not wired to understand that my maths is <laughs> you're not the only one you share thoughts of one great personality called newton isaac newton when he lost a lot of money in the south sea bubble you know south sea bubble was considered to be the first stock market crash ever recorded he lost a lot of money there and he said that I can calculate the movement of the stars, but not the madness of men, because he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't understand how, how he lost all that money. We'll not get into the too many details there, but, but yes, stock market has its own ways. And moving ahead back home here in India, one very famous brand, Raymond, that we all have grown up to the ads of the blazers and the suitings and the, the tailor-made clothing. They are launching a beer shampoo in India under the brand of Park Avenue, and they're taking a swing at 3,000 crore men's grooming industry. Okay, we are talking about recessions here and we're talking about 3,000 crore men grooming industry. Exactly. What a contradiction. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, there are products uh, like under eye gel, which which are being sold, hoping that they create a need. Under eye gel, when when do you think you will ever use an under eye gel? Jet. Not never. So yes. Yeah, so then there are there are people who are buying it. That's why it's being produced. And one more thing that goes into it is beer shampoo. And they're saying that the male cosmetic market in India will grow at a rate of twenty percent. Is growing rather is growing at a rate of twenty percent. And the rural consumption is just twenty percent of that. Beer is a high utility product. Apart from drinking, it can be used for relieving yourself of kidney stones. It can be used to shampoo your hair, which I already knew because even if they are launching it as a product right now, people have used beer for uh, washing, cleansing their hair since time immemorial. Uh, Beer is a natural conditioner for hair. And how do you do it? So you dump a cup of, apparently you have to dump a cup into a small saucepan and boil a little bit of beer at medium heat. And you you boil it until some of it is evaporated, which is basically saying that the alcohol gets evaporated 
and uh, that's it and then you cool it you mix it with a cup of your favorite shampoo pour it into an empty shampoo bottle then wash and rinse as usual says one so why, so why do you use bear then you use barley water which is bear minus alcohol is equal to barley water then bear ka kya kaam hai good question but i think it takes a glamour out of the whole thing <laughs> so so best of luck to ravens with uh, their launch and uh, those were the topics for the day all you listeners you can get this podcast on the indicast.com like us on facebook and we hope to come to you a little more often than we do usually and suggest topics that you think we can cover thanks a lot that's about it bye bye yeah.